0: On today's show, the Atlanta Hawks go into Phoenix and absolutely throttle the Phoenix Suns by a 32-point margin. Season highs across the board for Atlanta: three pointers, three-point accuracy, assists, etc. It was a uh, a monumental win for the Hawks in this spot. Back to 500 for the season. We'll get into all of what transpired in the game and more coming up. You are locked on Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1402 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you deep into the night here on a Wednesday evening into Thursday. And today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. Make every moment more with FanDuel, visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. And also want to tell you at the top of the podcast, as always, make Locked On Hawks your first listen each and every day. Check us out anywhere you get your podcasts, Spotify, Lo- um, Apple Podcasts, also YouTube on the video side, Stitcher, Overcast, etc. Anywhere you can find your podcast, we should be there, and I appreciate you listening to the show. Today's podcast is going to be diving in on what became a monumental win for the Hawks, 132-100 to 100 out in Phoenix. And, uh, yeah, just a, a stunning result in some ways. Not that the Hawks won this game, because that was not that wouldn't have been a huge shock, but the way this actually transpired, I'll give you all the numbers on it in a second, but not, I don't think anybody expected this kind of result. The Hawks uh, kind of in uh, one of those synergistic terms here, Atlanta entered this game one game below 500 for the season. Now they're back to 500 for the year, which is nice to see. Of course, they were also, they also had a minus 32 point differential for the season. They had been outscored by 32 points across the first 51 games of the season. They won this game by 32 points. So now they are dead, even in point differential, they are dead, even in record and a little bit of just an eyebrow razor there at the end of this one. But they'd also been struggling mightily in Phoenix. Now, it's always worth remembering that trends like this don't necessarily matter. They're different players most of the time, different organizations, you know, structures, all that stuff. But the Hawks, you know, for a long time, they had the longest losing streak in, in the NBA in one location. They lost every year in San Antonio, basically my entire life, for a while. It hasn't been that bad in Phoenix, but they lost six of the last seven in Phoenix. They had gone five and 24 in the last 29 games in Phoenix, and it was kind of j- being joked about on the broadcast of Valley Sports Southeast tonight by Bob Rathman, front of the podcast, as well as Dominique Wilkins, about like, Things never go well in Phoenix. And let's not make a, I made a mistake here in my search. The Hawks have not won by double digits, by, the, by 10 points. Not 32, not 22, by at least 10 points in Phoenix since 1969. So crazy stuff there. This is the second game of a long road trip, a grueling road trip for the Hawks. It's been a challenging time. They had uh, not a terrible loss by any means to open it up on Monday, but not a great result necessarily. They have a tough back-to-back Friday and Saturday. They had to get this win in a lot of ways, and it happened in this game. Also, the first time they play Phoenix over an eight-day span, the Suns actually come back to play in Atlanta on the night of the trade deadline next week. So that's something to circle in the future. But the back to 100 with a win. They avoid a fifth loss in six games. Lots of positivity. Especially, this is a national TV game. This is an ESPN game. I know a lot of people watch on Valley Sports Southeast as well. But it was a national game. Uh, it is worth noting, Devin Booker didn't play for the Suns. They're not the same team without him. But they've been playing pretty well lately, even without Booker. So not exactly a pushover of, of a result here. And they dominated this game. The middle of the game was crazy. They, they were up by as, as many as 43 points in this one. And uh, as far as the takeaways are concerned, we'll just sort of dive right in now to kind of the big picture stuff from this game. And just as a just sort of reflect on this already, but this is a performance the Hawks have not had this year. They had a couple of blowout wins against bad teams, but the, again, the true blowouts like the actual, you know, 20 plus point results were against bad teams only also 32 points is the largest margin of victory of the season, regardless of opponent also their largest margin of victory since November of 2021. So like, you know, more than a year, it's this kind of blowout result and to have it come on the road against a very spunky, decent team in Phoenix is pretty impressive. And yes, Phoenix without Devin Booker is not great, but they're not bad. Like, this is not Detroit. You're not playing Houston here. Uh, And this is a game that was, again, over by the middle of the third quarter, like really over in a way that even I would kind of close the book on as someone who's skeptical of that stuff. And it it happened because the middle quarters were just absolutely dominated by Atlanta. It was 76-44. to in the middle two quarters, second and third quarters of this game. This is no garbage time. Obviously, there was a garbage time in this game. Most of the fourth quarter was garbage time. But this is, the, this is a competitive portion where the Hawks beat the Suns by 32 points over a 24-minute sequence. The Hawks shot 62 percent except for the floor. In that stretch, they're 10 of 15 from three with 17 assists and five turnovers. And we'll get into the offense now because it's obviously the headliner. I will say, though, before we come back to it, the defense was also good it was not just the the offense in this game but the big thing is the shooting for atlanta was just off the charts they had a 136 offensive rating before garbage time happened in the fourth quarter and again the headliner three-point shooting the hawks set new season highs in three-pointers and three-point percentage they came into the night having their season high be 16 three that's a pretty modest figure and i've ranted and raved for a while about the hawks not taking enough threes much less making enough threes But they shattered that number with 19 makes in this game. They only missed 14. They shot 57.6%. That's also also a season high for Atlanta. So they were getting them up. They were making them. And this is early and often. I'll probably come back to it later on in the podcast as well. But Atlanta, I thought, made it a point to take threes. And I'm encouraged by that. Obviously, it's a one-game sample size. Maybe they'll take more mid-rangers and frustrate us all again uh, later in the weekend. But Atlanta was taking more threes. It was effective. Ten different guys made a three for the Hawks in this game. That is not a normal thing for any team, much less the Hawks. Um, they also set a new season high with 32 assists. The ball was moving. The Hawks now, I believe, are 17 and six. No, sorry, 16 and seven on the year with at least 25 assists. Now, that's kind of a stat that's kind of cherry picked because usually when you have more assists, you're going to be scoring more. But the Hawks, when they move the ball, are more effective, and a season high in assists tells that story in a pretty big way. And the crazy thing about this is. They weren't bad at anything offensively in this game, but they didn't shoot a crazy number on twos. They only took 11 free throws. That's a very modest, even like well below average number. They just shot that well from three in this game. It took a lot of threes, and they also had 12 turnovers. That's a good number compared to 32 assists. So it wasn't like they were crazy anywhere else, but three-point shooting was obviously quite effective. And beyond that, though, the bench was ridiculously efficient in this game. Before, the four rotation guys who played real minutes off the bench in this game were Bogdanovich, as you might expect, Kongwu, A.J. Griffin, and Jalen Johnson. And those guys combined to shoot 17 of 24 from the floor and 8 of 12 from 3. They were on the floor alongside DeJounte Murray in a huge run second quarter. They opened the game up a little bit. They were, on the, they were on the floor again late in the third. That was a very, very solid unit. And look, I've talked about this a lot in recent days and even before that. The Hawks this year have terrible numbers with Trey Young on, Trey Young off the floor, I should say, and DeJounte Murray on the floor. And in this game, they cruised with that lineup. It was very effective. They were athletic. They were playing the young guys together in AJ and Jalen. Akongo played very well. DeJounte's been great recently. So a lot of good mojo there, and the bench was really good. And 46 points between those four guys. And none of them played a ton of minutes either. They were just that efficient and that productive. And I thought they did a good job, generally speaking, in picking on Phoenix's weaknesses defensively. And honestly, Chris Paul, who's a legend, uh, first ballot Hall of Famer, et cetera, he was getting picked on in a big way by Atlanta in this game. And I, I, I heard Nick say this. I heard some fans talking about this as well. Like, why is he guarding DeAndre Hunter? And I understand because Chris Paul is like 5'10", and DeAndre Hunter is not. But if you're if you watch Chris Paul recently, he's lost a step or two, um, quickness wise. So when you're Phoenix, your options with Chris Paul are you can't take him off the floor because they don't have Devin booker. So he has to guard somebody on Atlanta's roster, and the the other options are Trey Young, no thanks, or Dejounte Murray, who's been playing like a star the last you know ten games or so. So uh, I get why they did it. It didn't work, and the Hawks were uh, I would say very effective in picking on Chris Paul throughout the game. Uh, defensively, as I said a, a second ago. They're really good in this game, honestly. It wasn't like the Hawks were only one-sided. They held the Suns to an 88 offensive rating in the competitive-ish portion, the non-garbage time portion of this game. I will say, in uh, my typical on-brand fashion, I have to at least note this as a somewhat explanation for why they 4 of 28 from 3. And you can affect that. Teams can affect your point shooting, for sure. But there's been myriad studies on this. Teams cannot single-handedly affect three-point shooting with their defense, um, in the NBA anyway. Um, And Phoenix came into the night number three in the league, shooting almost 39% from three. So it's a little bit of good fortune that the Hawks, A, made everything in this game, and the Suns missed everything in this game. That's how you win a game by 32 points and you lead by 43 points in the second half. But the Hawks did play well defensively, even beyond the lack of shooting from Phoenix. Um, They did allow 31 free throw attempts. That was the one sort of blemish on the record anywhere for Atlanta in this game. But if our 16 turnovers that led to 31 points, that took very well, uh, sorry, took good advantage of those giveaways by Phoenix. And uh, again, without Booker, not quite the same team, but the Suns have plenty of talent. This is not a team that that would be like just horrible without Booker. They would probably be like a 500 ish team um, without Devin. So, a notable result, offensively, defensively, the bench, the starters. We'll get into all the players in a second and how they performed and sort of how the way this game flow went. But it was a dominant and like really thoroughly dominant performance from Atlanta, and really a great win overall. Like, obviously, you can't assume this is the norm. I know people are going to get excited about this performance, and they should. This is a, this is a game that can kind of show you, remind you of the upside of this Hawks team. There's still 500 after 52 games. There's a reason for that. This is a team that has some weaknesses. They have not played particularly well this season. I still believe that they are better than their record. i said that numerous times in the last few weeks and few months. But this is a pretty brutal road trip, and getting any win along the way here is nice. I've said before they left, like even two and three would have been a perfectly acceptable number, which no one loves that. I get that. But the Hawks should be underdogs probably in at least four, if not all five of these games. And they were underdogs in this game, albeit very small underdogs, but still, they were. So getting a win of any kind is huge. Getting a a blowout win when, by the way, they got to rest Trey, and they got to rest Clint, and they got to rest John, and they got got to rest DeAndre the entire fourth quarter. Murray probably played a little bit too much in the fourth quarter, honestly. But the Hawks got to take it easy, which is nice because they have a really bad back-to-back schedule-wise on Friday and Saturday. So even that little small thing about a comfortable win can be huge to impact the rest of the road trip. So it was awesome. The Hawks you know, got to play – their garbage time lineups in the fourth quarter and uh, put together a, a complete performance. It was their best performance of the season, you could say. I'm not sure it was their best win. Like I'm not sure. It's kind of semantics. It was their biggest blowout, the biggest margin of victory, and they did it on the road against a decent team. So that in itself is pretty impressive. You could argue on behalf of some some wins against better teams, probably than a Bookerless Suns team, but the way they did it. And just dismantling the Suns in the middle of a road trip is uh, notable and impressive, and uh, not a whole lot to be a to, not a whole lot of negativity to be shared on this particular night, even in the midst of a weird season for the Hawks. Uh, a one night um, bit of awesomeness. Everybody seemed to be in a great mood after the game as well. All right, we'll get into how this game actually transpired, game flow wise, how it started, how it sort of took off in the middle, how it finished. Then, we'll, at the end of the show, we'll get into the individual player breakdowns as we always do on the podcast. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show today. This year, you only need one app at your Super Bowl party, and that app is FanDuel, America's number one sports book. We're very excited about FanDuel as a new sports betting partner for the On Podcast Network. If you're new to the party with FanDuel, that is even better. They have a ton of great features that make sports betting both fun and easy. Download FanDuel now. You can buy Super Bowl with no sweat first bet and get to $3,000 back and bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win on FanDuel. FanDuel has all kinds of betting options. That includes money lines and point spreads and totals, even bet on who was going to f- score the first touchdown in the Super Bowl. And it's also like an you know, awesome matchup beyond all of that. The Chiefs, the Eagles, the top two teams in each conference, and uh, – quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, etc. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch all of that with these stars all over the place on these two rosters. And the FanDuel Sportsbook app is also the best place to possibly wager on this game. It's safe, it's secure, it's easy to use, and best of all, get paid your winnings instantly at FanDuel. Join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on. your no sweat first bet on the Super Bowl this year. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook of the NFL. All right, so we'll dive in now to some more detail of how this game actually flowed. And as I said before, Phoenix has been playing pretty well recently, even without Devin Booker. They won six of the last seven games. They are seven points or so worse per 100 possessions, like net rating-wise, without Devin Booker on the floor. That makes sense. He's an awesome player. And they were also missing uh, Cameron Payne and Landry Shaman in this game, whereas the Hawks were at full strength. Trey Young, of course, returned and played well in this game after missing Monday's game, and the Hawks had that cleanage report that they always definitely love to see. And as we said many many times, the Hawks are pretty good when they're actually at full strength. Now, you can't bank on that always, but when they've been fully healthy, they've been pretty darn good this year. Our friends at FanDuel had the Hawks closing as a one-point underdog, which is basically a coin flip in a lot of ways. Obviously, Phoenix had a, a small margin there in their home building, but kind of a toss-up game in a lot of ways. And really good start, as you might imagine. The Hawks made their first three threes, were up by as many as 10 points. Phoenix missed their first nine of their 12 shots. So that kind of set the tone for what was going to be happening the rest of the way. We didn't know that at that point, but definitely was the same uh, Trey looked great early I thought this uh, coming off the injury on Monday he had a beautiful up and under against Mikael Bridges who's a great defender with three-point play early in the game he had four assists he was getting in the paint with regularity and that was a great sign for me I thought DeAndre Ray Ayton for the Suns really struggled to contain the Hawks when they when they got there, and also their point of attack was really rough. I talked about Chris Paul earlier in the podcast, but the Hawks got wherever they wanted to for most of this game. Uh, John Collins had two, I would say, enormous blocks in the first like eight minutes of this game uh, r- protecting the rim. Rotation-wise, it was nine guys for Atlanta. McDonavich came in for Trey in his normal spot um, quickly, and then it was Griffin to Kong Wu and Jalen Johnson coming in later in, in the quarter. And I'll say this now, if you missed it, I kind of went on about as much of a rant as I will about a rotation thing on Monday night's podcast. I really, really, really did not like Jalen Johnson not playing on Monday. I thought that was a really bad decision and really kind of a nonsensical one in a lot of ways. And he returned to the rotation in this game, played well. That's like the reason the Hawks were better in this game, but Jalen did look good. And I was just glad to see him out there early in the game. He played very well as we'll come back to later on, had 11 rebounds in the game and gave them good energy. But good to see him playing, just being in rotation, number one, and also just playing well when he's out there. Also, Adrian Griffin played a little bit earlier than usual, which is good to see. And uh, no Aaron Holiday in the rotation in this game. I'm fine with that. I think Aaron is basically the prototypical 10th man on this roster. Um, I think that when you're playing against a team that where you need his on-ball defense against a quick guard, you want to use him. Um, but the Suns, in particular, without Booker or whatever, you know, Chris Paul's not, not Chris Paul anymore, necessarily. So no real reason to, de- to deploy. Aaron lean harder on Griffin, lean harder on Johnson. And that was the right decision in, in my mind in this game. The Hawks were only up by three, though, at the end of the first quarter. It's kind of funny after uh, giving the result, but the Hawks were only up by three. They led the entire quarter, basically. But um, they did make five of 10 from the three, but they actually only a five of 13 on twos and four turnovers in the first quarter. And then after that, it was kind of the, the floodgates open. And the big run that really did kind of quote-unquote, decide the game, in retrospect, was a 22-3 to three run early in the second quarter. The Hawks went up by 20 with the second unit on the floor. That was entirely the DeJounte plus bench unit, which has not worked all that well this year, really at all, honestly. But early in the quarter, I liked this play where Akongwu got a very deep seal in transition, like in the post. And good recognition, I thought, with Jalen Johnson to find him in, in, in sort of a quick-paced way, Passing the ball on target, on time, led to a layup. And then shortly after that, Jalen made a corner three to kind of force a timeout by the Suns. And then after that, the Hawks had nine straight points. So at one point in that extended run, it was a 15-0 run in the middle of that 22-3 overall. They played through bogey a lot on offense. That was very effective. DeJounte had it going. AJ and Jalen sharing the ball very well. And the Hawks just played very freely in that stretch, which was good to see. It was down to 17 at one point, middle of the quarter in the second, but the starters got going a little bit when they came back in. Trey and Collins had a nice little stretch together. I think they scored seven seven of nine points at one point. The Hawks were up 19 at the half and really dominated the second quarter in a lot of ways. They shot 68% from the floor in the second half. That's obviously fantastic. On the way to 40 points, the Suns were cold from the floor. And at halftime, the Hawks had 10 threes. That was uh, their most in a first half all year long. They had 18 assists. DeJounte was great in the first half, 15 points. Eight assists for Trey in the first half. And they got some help from this on shooting, again, as I said before, but they were up in comfortable position. And then really, it was not really competitive after that. I won't have zero notes, but I'll have less than usual because the game was just so out of hand. They were up 26 with like eight minutes to go in the third quarter. Things turned the ball over four of their first seven possessions in the second half. So if there was any idea the Phoenix was going to come out and uh, return the favor, it was kind of out the window in a hurry. My friend Brendan Clean, who hosts the Locked on Suns podcast, I was following him. That's always always good to listen to the opposing view uh, and also talking to him during the game. He's a very, very smart basketball mind. And Brendan was noting on Twitter that the Suns just kind of rolled over in the third quarter, and they did. I mean, the Hawks made them, for sure, but Phoenix did kind of feel like they had kind of let go of the rope a little bit, which made the game even less competitive. The Hawks were by 37 in the middle of the third quarter. It was honestly remarkable to watch. The Hawks scored 32 points. In the first nine minutes of the third, they had 100 with 90 seconds left in the third quarter. And again, as I've referenced before, it was a 32-point drubbing in the middle quarters. The Hawks, in the in the second and third, sorry, the first three quarters combined, the Hawks were 15 to 25 from three. Just a ridiculous display. Uh, outplayed them in every aspect, essentially, other than the rebounding, I guess, if you want it, and free, free throw creation. But even then, that was a, kind of a non-sequitur in this game. Uh, they didn't punt to start the fourth quarter entirely. They actually used the DeJounte plus bench lineup Early in the fourth quarter, the highlight of that, of that quarter, I will say it was a Kongwu making his first career three pointer about seven minutes ago. Um, that made it a little bit easier to take that he was still out there, because I think that uh, in my in my opinion, they probably should have pulled the contributors a little bit earlier in this game. But uh, that was a fun moment. The bench went completely bonkers, which is fun. Obviously, these guys want to have their young guys and their uh, their teammates just generally succeed. And they seem to, everybody seems to love a like they, like they do AJ Griffin. So that was a, a fun uh, celebration into a timeout. But, again, the only complaint I would have is that Nate, kind of as usual, waited too long to go deeper into the bench. I'm glad nothing happened to a key player in this game. Like DeJounte playing with like eight minutes to go in the fourth up by 40 was probably a little bit too much, we'll say. Um, they didn't actually take anybody out until about then. And then DeJounte and Bogey played like half the quarter. That's, that's way too much for those guys then. And uh, finally onto the bench entirely with about 540 to go. They brought in Viet Krejci. They brought in Justin Holiday and Frank Kaminsky. It was the first appearance for Justin in about a month, actually, because he usually, in these small garbage time situations, they don't bring him in. He's kind of the old head veteran, oldest guy on the team. But even then, he had enough time. And he actually was cooking a little bit when he came in the game, hit some jump shots um, in complete garbage time, and then uh, there you go. So, basically, it was a wire-to-wire win for Atlanta. In fact, I'm not sure they ever trailed in this game, if I'm remembering correctly. Maybe back to the uh, beginning of this one, but um, from about the middle of the second quarter, once that run happened at 22-3, to it was effectively over, and then it was really over with about, I don't know, eight minutes left in the third quarter. So uh, kind of a breezy second half. Uh, I didn't have to do too much of a rewatch of that half, but they were certainly uh, dialed in playing well, sharing the ball. And as Glenn Willis notes, my friend on Petri Hoops, you don't want to like lose all of your habits in the second half when the game is decided. And the Hawks, I, I thought, played well. They weren't quite as dominant once the game was out of hand, which is, that's to be expected. They played effectively. They didn't let go of the rope at all. And uh, that was encouraging as well. All right, we'll get into all the individual player breakdowns as we always do on the podcast in a second. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show today. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all of the fat and calories that come along with it, you really need to try a Built Bar. I know one of my goals this year is to eat a little bit healthier, and if you're anything like me, you don't want to give up the taste to actually eat healthier, and if that sounds like you at all, Built Bar is a perfect option. With Built, healthy actually is tasty, and they're so delicious that you won't believe they're actually good for you as well. Built Bars have 100% real chocolate on the outside. Yes, real chocolate on the outside, and they come in a ton of awesome flavors like peanut butter brownie, cookies and cream, coconut almond, etc. It tastes like a candy bar, honestly, 130 calories, four grams. Of sugar to go along with 17 grams of protein, and you don't have to wait around. You can actually get a box right now today. For a long time, I've been telling you to order your Built Bars at Built.com. You still can, I promise you. But if you don't want to wait quite as long, or if you want to get them very quickly and conveniently, also get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club right now. That's right, walk into the Walmart department section to get to your box that you're looking for right now. Or if you're closer to a Sam's Club, get a 13-bar box. Yes, a 13 bar box at Sam Club right now. Make sure, check out Belt Bar, no matter where you're looking for it. You can fake me later. Check it out now at Belt.com, Sam's, Walmart, anywhere you can find your Belt Bars. All right, so we'll dive in now to the players. And as you might expect, a lot of guys played well when you win by 32 points on the road. Uh, The bench in general, like we're going to generally ignore the garbage time. You know, the Hawks actually lost the garbage time by, by nine points. They were up by 41 when they finally came in the game. But even then they shot the ball pretty well. At least the holidays did. Uh Viet and uh Tret Forrest were over for three. But the guys who actually played, we'll focus on them now. Uh, AJ Griffin played well, 19 minutes for AJ, five points, two assists, three, two rebounds, and a steal, plus 18 in his minutes. Oh, only took three shots. That's fine. AJ's always under control. I love that about him. Uh, by the way, he was selected for Rising Stars this week. That's a nice honor for him. That should have been, uh, I will say, it would have been more, a bigger deal if he didn't make it because he was. He should have been a lock, and I think he was. So that was good to see. He'll be participating in All-Star Weekend. Uh, but yeah, other than that, like AJ played very well in this game to kind of under the radar, but not in a bad way at all. Share the ball effectively, et cetera. Uh, Jalen Johnson returns to the rotation, plays very well. Six points, 11 rebounds in 17 minutes. He's athletic, he is physical. He had he had an assist that was a nice pass in this game. He had a couple of really good seals around the rim, hit two threes. You know, Jalen is not like an elixir. I, I think in some circles he might be a little bit overrated at this point still. But as I said on Monday, there's no reason he shouldn't be playing. Um, that can get out of hand in a little bit, but I think he should be, he should be in rotation every night. He should, he'll have better nights than others, I'm sure. But I think that Jalen certainly is turning some corners right now, Um, encouraging defensively. He's been doing his job. He was communicating well in this game. Um, Definitely part of the uh, general like backline communication effort. So uh, definitely good to see that out of Jalen. And uh, I'm encouraged by what what I saw tonight, especially after what I'm sure was a frustrating DNP for him on Monday to get back back out there and not have that affect him at all and play very well in this game was positive. Okongwu was perfect from the floor. He made all seven of his shots, including a three. Again, his first career three-pointer in this game. 17 points in 20 minutes. He was plus 24. Two blocks and a steal. He was very good in this one. I think uh, both Capella and Okongwu kind of took it to to DeAndre Ayton, which is good to see. Ayton is not my favorite archetype of a player. He's kind of soft on defense in a lot of ways. But um, anyway, the Hawks... Took it to them on the interior. I thought O'Connor was very good in his minutes. Um, Bogdanovich played well as well. Uh, he had it cooking a little bit. Had 18 points on 10 shots. Hit four threes. Uh, it's a reminder. as I talked about this with Tower Jones on, my, on this podcast uh, about a week ago now. But Bogey does unlock some ceiling for the Hawks. I know he has been frustrated this year. I pointed out a lot that his defense is not good. He's, his movement with his knee is not great. But when he's got it going on offense with the shooting and even the playmaking, you know, in, the sec- in the second quarter, the Hawks were kind of using him as a de facto point guard in a lot of that run. Now, Murray's on the floor, obviously, is the primary initiator, primary creator, but Bogey is an effective secondary ball handler. That's one of the reasons why he's been so important to the Hawks the last few years when they didn't have DeJounte. It was that he was kind of the number two beyond behind Trey in shot creation, and he can do that a little bit. So it was good to see him play well in this game also. Uh, the stars were pretty quiet other than, uh, you know, the point, the, the, the guards were excellent, but you know, John Collins had a quiet game. He didn't play that much. 24, 24 minutes. That's totally fine. Had three blocks, had nine points, um, hit a three, had two rebounds, just kind of uh he was fine. He didn't do anything great or bad. Uh, the blocks were very impressive, but uh, he didn't have to do much. Same with Capella, nine points and rebounds in 22 minutes had a steal. He missed a couple layups, which is of course the Capella experience, but I thought those guys played well. They, didn't, they didn't really have to do a ton on offense. Hunter, Uh, Early on was really going at Chris Paul effectively, as I talked about earlier, but 15 points on nine shots is effective. Five rebounds, had a steal. I thought he was under control. He wasn't pressing too much, which you can kind of, that's one of the dangers of being um, kind of ISO heavy and matchup heavy is that a guy can get going and kind of press a little bit. I thought Hunter was under control, getting to his spots, making those little push shots, getting to the rim, uh, posting up on the smaller player. Uh, he's been he's been uh, shaking the last couple of games offensively since he came back, but this is one where he was very efficient, and defensively he is just so valuable for the Hawks team up and down the board. And then Trey and DeJounte were both very good in different ways. DeJounte was plus 40 <laughs> in this game. Obviously, he was on the floor for the two big runs with the bench. But 21 points, 8 assists, 6 rebounds, 1 turnover for DeJounte in 30 minutes of play. Four of seven from three. And here's a crazy stat for you. DeJounte Murray in the last 30, sorry, the last 11 games, DeJounte is shooting 45.5% from three-point range. Now, if you follow DeJounte Murray's career for any length of time, you will know that is not sustainable. I'm not picking on DeJounte. He has not been a great shooter in his career. He he came into the night with a career 33.9% three-point margin margin. Uh, Last four years, since he's kind of taken more shots, it was up to 34%. So I think he might be more of a true talent 35%, 36% guy, which kind of worries for the season. But last 11 games, 45.5%, which kind of aligns with the Hawks' offense really cooking because Murray, if he's going to shoot like that, he's basically unguardable. Uh, so that's a, that's encouraging. Also, I would just say he's not going to do it all the time, but he definitely has been recently. So you will definitely take it, and he's been uh, really good. And that's uh, not a coincidence the Hawks have been better, uh, be, uh, sort of been able to withstand the trade minutes when he's off the floor a little bit easier with DeJounte having uh, the hot hand that he's had the last couple of weeks. And then Trey, uh, 20 points, 12 assists in 27 minutes. He threw for three for three. That's a good sign for him. He's not been shooting the ball that well this year. Overall, four turnovers is fine. Plus 21. I thought Trey was good. He took a couple of bad shots. There was one late in the first half. that was a kind of a head scratcher, but other than that, he was under control early on. I thought he, he, he looked fantastic. He kind of set the tone a little bit offensively, just like being under control, getting in the lane, dishing to open, open players and like just being awesome on offense, which is, uh, really the Trey Young experience in a lot of ways. But uh, again, I don't think anybody played poorly for Atlanta in this game. Uh, I can't even think of a guy I could even like pick on. Like everyone played well, and that's how you win by 32 points on the road. So from here, uh, the Hawks have a tough, tough stretch coming that I've alluded to a couple times on this show. Uh, they have a much more favorable game on Friday in Utah. Now the jazz are a weird team. <laughs> let's just say, Um, Utah is actually has basically the same record the Hawks do. They're 27 26 on the season, but they're and they're 18 at nine at home. So that's, that's that's a big challenge. They've been better recently. Uh, they started out really hot, then they had a weird stretch in the middle where they're pretty bad, and now they've been pretty good again. But Utah's roster is not that impressive defensively, they're not great at all, but offensively, they are very good. Um, and that's one where the Hawks might be closer to a quote like they were tonight in that game, but still not a gimme at all on Friday. And then I would describe Saturdays. Spot just scheduling wise, nothing else. Schedule wise and opponent wise, it's probably the hardest matchup that is possible on the Hawks roster. I'm uh, on, on, sorry, on the Hawks schedule this season because not only does Utah give you a real challenge on Friday, you go from there to altitude in Denver. Denver is currently number one in the West. They're really good. They're awesome at home every year because they have, they play at, at at mile high mile high altitude. Plus, it's a back to back with no travel. start with, with travel and everyone in the league will tell you that going there with no break in particular is awful to run. You can't breathe all that stuff and never is awesome on top of that. So I'm not saying the Hawks can't win there because they obviously can, but if there was one schedule loss on, on the entire schedule this year, that might be it on Saturday. So, that's kind of why this game was so big for Atlanta. Not that they can't win both. They certainly could win both on Friday and Saturday. But uh, even a split out of these next two would, would look a lot better after you win this one. So winning two out of three and kind of being two and two on the road trip will be good. And uh, we'll get into all those games later on. But certainly good, con- good context there as the Hawks uh, now travel overnight and you know probably into tomorrow into Salt Lake City for the game on Friday. Last thing before we get out of here is that the NBA is going to announce the all-star reserves on Thursday evening, and it will be close. I think as to whether Trey gets in, you know, AJ Griffin will be there as I said before um, as a part of the rising stars challenge right now, he's the only representative. That's a lock. I think Trey is not a lock this year. Last year, he was a lock. He made it all NBA, all that stuff. And it was certainly deserved. Um, Noting this, the coaches vote on reserves. So it's impossible to take kind of a straw poll in the way that you kind of can with media um, just kind of seeing because it's coaches. It's kind of a black box. So we'll see. I want to be clear. If it was me voting, I would have Trey on my ballot, but it would be close. I think I've said this before. Trey is one of the five best offensive players in the league. Probably over the last couple of years, he's been that good this year. He's not quite been that good. More like top 15 or 20 on offense, which is still a heck of a player, but his efficiency has been down and all that. I think he still drives offense in a very, very impressive way. And that's why I would, I would still have him on the roster, but I think with his shooting numbers down and the Hawks being 500 right now, he might not make it, and it wouldn't be a travesty. I think you're going to see that from Hawks fans, and I, I totally get that. Um, but I think Trey's on the borderline. He would be somewhere – You know, there's 12 guys on the, on, the, on the team. He'd be somewhere between 10 and 15 for me in terms of, of the Eastern Conference pecking order. So we'll see if he gets in. I don't know if he will. Also, there might be an injury replacement or two, so he's still, he probably has to be on call if he doesn't make it. But um, we'll see on that. I'm not the biggest all-star guy in the world, so I'm not, I'm not going to be focusing on that a ton win or lose in terms of him getting on the team or not but just keep that in mind for thursday i plan to have a show at some point between now and friday night if, at the very last i'll be back on friday but uh trade deadline stuff happening as well the deadline is going to be as i'm recording this is now already thursday the second so a week from today basically the deadline arrives the hawks have been in some rumors nothing rising to the level of emergency podcast worthy but i'll probably touch on some of that stuff later on this week and the next week as well We'll be very busy on the show and we encourage you to subscribe to this podcast across podcast platforms if you like the show. And want to support it you can do a, a few things for me i would consider it be a personal favor number one you can download and subscribe to the show on multiple platforms that is huge extra clicks extra downloads those, those things go a long way to support the podcast also check out our sponsors across the board fanduel built bar etc all you can find out all all that information in the show notes each and every day when the podcast goes up also you can subscribe to my patreon patreon.com bt roland for written content on the hawks you can follow the show on twitter at on Hawks, You can follow me on Twitter, at BTRoland. I do appreciate all the support Everyone listening to the show. And it's much more fun, uh, to, I'm sure, to listen to as well as to record all the uh, all that fun stuff when the Hawks are playing like they did on Wednesday compared to previous games. So uh, that's it for today. But again, please subscribe to the show. Stay tuned. We'll be back again later in the week. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you all next time.